This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. College football, we had week zero, we had week one, they're all in the books. We have our first week of NFL football. So Dave, without further ado, let's jump right into uh, what we're going to be talking about here. Thursday night football, NFL is back. We have the Detroit Lions taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. As I look at it right now, the Kansas City Chiefs favored by six and a half with a total of 54 and a half points. Dave, Thursday night football, first NFL game of the season. What are you thinking? Lions, Chiefs. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think everybody and their brother is going to want to take the over. And there's actually some documentation to support that. Um, I think the Lions have gone over in their last 12 season openers. And I looking back, the Chiefs 8, they're 7-0-1 to the over. Uh, and, and both of those have gone over by a lot, more than double digits, both teams on average. So why not just take the over? Well, why is it only 54 and a half? Um, I don't know. Uh, I do know that Chris Jones may not play. Um, I would say he's probably not going to play for the Chiefs. Uh, that is a big deal. So what I'm looking at before it moves too much more uh, is the Lions team total. Right now it's sitting at 23 and a half. It's not widely available, but there's a few books that have it. And for me, I think that's the best way to attack this game. I, I think, you know, if Kansas City does, I mean, at, at six and a half, I wouldn't touch the side. At seven, I might have been. You know, that's a lot of points. I, I probably would have gone Lions. I guess if you made me right now, I would go Lions. I'm thinking that the Lions team total over 23 and a half because either they're going to score or if Kansas City gets ahead, they're going to have to score. So that could be a late cover. But uh, if I'm betting that game here Monday and I didn't get a better number earlier, I'm looking at the Lions team total over. I completely agree with you. And that's that's uh, kind of one B of what I came up with. So when I first looked at it, it's like, eh, if I could get seven, maybe I'd look at the Lions. But then you think about it, it's it's Mahomes and the Chiefs, and the guy can score three touchdowns in, in a minute. That had me a little bit leery with the Lions. But I'm with you. One of them that I wrote down, agreeing with you, the Chris Jones thing is huge. I saw you know a statistic where Chiefs are one of the best teams when it comes to pressuring the quarterback and, and making plays when Chris Jones is on the field. It's a bottom five or six defense when you have Chris Jones off the field, basically the last five seasons, which that's that's a huge difference. And I'm with you. I like the over for the Detroit Lions team total of 23 and a half. But I actually went one further. And I think my favorite one might be the Detroit Lions over 10 and a half at plus money at some books that I saw for the first half. And the reason why I might like that a little bit more is if you give Spagnola and, and Andy Reid and this Kansas City Chiefs team uh, time at halftime to make second half adjustments, they always seem like they're pretty darn good at it. So whether or not Chris Jones plays, if he's not, I feel like uh, they have an opportunity potentially to make adjustments. But but Detroit could jump on them right away and put up a couple points and it only takes you know, two touchdowns here to go over that 10 and a half. And, and especially at plus money on some of these books that I found it at, that one might be my one, a the Detroit 
team total over the 23 and a half is probably my one B. Yeah, I can totally see that. You know, I can totally see, you know, I see DraftKings is up to uh, first half line of the Chiefs minus four and a half. And uh, William Hill Caesars is four and Heritage is four. I believe uh, Westgate and Vegas is four. I think if I can get four for the first half, uh, I like Detroit. I mean, you know, the Chiefs, I don't know, maybe they're going to fix it this year, but they're notoriously slow starters. Um, you know, they'll they'll get going eventually. But uh, I think that that would be the case. If I, if I can get four and a half, I'm taking the Lions in the first half. And I would also be inclined, the first half total is 27 and a half, juiced over. I don't think it goes to 28, uh, but I would be tempted to take that under 27 and a half uh, for that very same reason. You know, I mean, the crowd's going to be crazy. It's opening night, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, the game starts slower. I mean, like I said, you know, people are going to look at that and go, you know, Kansas City and over. Well, I would be surprised if it's Kansas City and over um, on opening night on a Thursday night. So uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at trying to find the Lions, and I'm looking at trying to find uh, first half first half uh, derivatives there. And I I think that first half under might be doable. Well, I think just when you look at the Chiefs, obviously they've had years in which they've started slow. Now, whether that be offense, whether that be defense, they've had those seasons. Now you look at the Chiefs this year, obviously Patrick Mahomes is is the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's got a lot of question marks at at wide receiver. Uh, You have – a defense now, we mentioned it with Chris Jones, probably not going to be playing. There's a lot of question marks on defense here. I just feel like, the like you said, the Chiefs and the over make so much sense because it's easy. But when you really get down to it, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of moving parts right now with Kansas City, and it's the first week of the season. Weirdly enough, Detroit might feel like a team that has more things uh, ready to go week one. So I'm with you if I had to play it. It would be Detroit. I'm looking at the team total like you did, and then probably, like I said, 1A team total for the Lions over in the first half. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, too, that these coaches have had months to come up with a game plan to stop the other team. So you got to figure it's just not going to be that easy. That's that's my my sort of period at the end of the, of the, of the paragraph, if you will. You know, if it were a, a Thursday night game with – you know, little or no prep off a of Sunday, I might feel differently. But when you have that much time to prepare for another team uh, and you pretty much know what they're going to do, uh, I, I I do think it stays under. So that'll be it for our Thursday night football breakdown. We're going to have more NFL for the end of the week podcast. If you want to find any more of our content, you can go to Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor or Dave at Dave underscore Essler. Or you can find some of his work at pregame.com. So now we're going to jump in here, Dave. And we've seen week zero, week one of college football, both in the books. Kind of like, what have we learned? Obviously, there's new clock rules this year in college football that has impacted the games, obviously, in different ways. I know that a lot of people thought that that would initially be a lot of unders. I know that uh, you have Chip Kelly out there really giving it to the reporters and obviously the NCAA and college football just in general about all of the the ads. What did you take away from the first, I guess, week of the full slate of college football? Well, a couple of things. I mean, number one, you know, everybody and their brother was predicting a lot of unders. And I, I believe there were slightly more overs than there were unders. 
But that was a huge overreaction. I believe there were roughly 10. I have the data, but it wasn't many more than that. Less plays per game than there were last year. I know that that sounds like a lot, um, but for some teams it isn't. And, you know, I mean, a perfect example to me was the Purdue-Fresno game. I mean, everybody was on Fresno and they did end up pulling it out, but that total moved from an opener in June 16 points down. 16. It still went over the original number, you know, but everybody's looking at Purdue and going, well, they're going to be horrible on offense, and it's Fresno, they lost a ton. But I don't think anybody ever looked at how bad the defenses were. And so, again, it's classic overreaction. And I looked at a lot of the teams that run tempo. Well, they're not going to be affected by the clock. And, you know, across the board, every one of those totals pretty much came down. So, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and, and I, I saw some some statements where, you know, everybody bet all the unders and they said, you know, oh, the books having a, oh, of course the books know all this. I mean, you know, feed your ego elsewhere. Um, you know, the books didn't put out totals for a very long time for a very good reason. So I think those numbers were probably sharper than people think. And, you know, I mean, the books are happy as clams when I think it was close to 50-50 overs and unders. So, you know, I, I don't know that that clock thing um, is really going to be a huge issue going forward for me. I mean, the totals are the totals, and, and they've been adjusted for that. I'm not going to do that. You know, there's some teams that just play, you know, your Iowas of the world. They're just going to slug along no matter what, and they'll have some totals in the 30s. But, you know, they would do that anyway. Uh, so I don't really see uh, a huge edge. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the totals do this week when they come out. I haven't seen too many of them come out yet. They have only recently come out, but they haven't been – you know, none of them have been attacked. And I'm looking at the entire board. You know, none of them have moved a great deal. And I think you'll see, if anything, some of them have gone to the over. But I, I think people learned their lesson last week. And now we'll just kind of sit back and watch what happens. Yeah, I think it was after week zero, they were talking about how the, the clock changes had basically made it one possession shorter for both teams. I think through week one, I saw that it was actually – a little bit more than what it was for week zero for a lesser number of plays and possessions for each team. One thing that I noticed, and it actually applies to one of the games that we talked about, if you have a slow prodding team and they can really control the clock, it's almost like some of those lesser athletic or lesser ability teams like Wyoming can dictate the games and keep it lower scoring or I guess that did go over, but uh, keep it into lesser possessions where they think it actually kind of favors some of the slower, less athletic teams, at least keeping it close when you talk about a spread. Yeah, absolutely. If they can control the ball, they got a better chance of controlling the clock because, you know, they can, you know, I, some of those drives were, you know, I had some totals and some of those drives, I had some unders and they got, they got not, based on clock rules, but based on handicapping. And I lost both of them. I think once teams figured it out, I mean, you had, I think the TCU game uh, was like, what, 56, point, 56 points in the second half. And there were a lot of adjustments made and teams ended up figuring out what the other team was going to do, which is totally normal for the first week, especially when you don't have a common opponent. So you know, I think this week will be a little bit different. But I did see a couple drives where they were typical – sort of 10 play 75 yard drives that took like eight minutes 
I mean, that's a huge deal. You could tell it was intentional on some teams' parts. To There were some teams that, that could have, would have, should have snapped the ball with 12 or 15 seconds on the clock, but they just didn't. So I don't know. I don't know that they've gone too far. And again, I think it's going to be a game-by-game thing. And, I, you know, this Illinois-Kansas game on Friday is going to be very similar because it's a matter of, of who can control whom there is in terms of obviously who, who covers and that total. So, you know, I, I think like anything else, it's a, you just got to dig a little deeper, and it's a game-by-game thing. I mean, people made major generalizations on the whole slate last week and, and paid dearly for it. But enough about last week. Moving forward, uh, looking at the first game we're going to run through here for college football uh, week two, it's going to be that Friday night game that you mentioned, Illinois traveling to Kansas. Currently, Kansas favored by three, total of 56 and a half. Dave, what were you thinking for this game? Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, you know, Kansas is bringing back 10 starters on offense, and and uh, I believe Daniels is going to play this week. He did not play last week. Uh, so that would say Kansas is going to score a lot. But I look at the Illinois defense, and they got a pretty stacked front seven on defense, and their their vulnerability will definitely be in the back end. So, you know, I, I think Kansas will still score. They got that, you know, motion offense that can throw teams off, uh, at least in the first half. So I think if I like Kansas, it might be for the first half. Uh, but the thing that worries me about Kansas and the thing that should worry anybody about Kansas uh, is their defense. I mean, the real game here is just fading that defense. I mean, they're going to be horrible. Missouri State rather didn't do much against Kansas, but you know they only ran 45 plays. But, you know, they got a bunch of starters that come back, but they were a team that allowed 6.3 yards per play last year. And the thing about Illinois is they like to run the ball. I mean, you know that you're a big 10 guy and they do it well. I mean, they've got, I think a couple of offensive linemen that'll be in the NFL next year. And so I think that they will be able to run the ball on Kansas at will. So that's a game where I would look at the first half under, I think Illinois just controls the clock and they want to control the clock and until they, figure out Kansas's motion offense. So I like the first half under in that quite a bit. As far as the side goes, I don't like to fade that high-flying offense because it has potential to put up a lot of points. But Daniels in the second half of the year last year didn't look that good. He had tightness in his back last week. He didn't play. Um, maybe, I mean, typically he, he, he'll he get some yards with his legs. Uh, that may be a little bit limited this week. So I'm actually going to side with Illinois as much as it kills me, basically, because I don't know that Daniels is going to be uh, 100%, and I think Illinois will control the clock. Uh, I don't trust Daniels to make mistakes if they have to be coming from behind. So I'll look at the first half under, and I will take the points. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought this game was the toughest one we have for our entire college football slate. I leaned with Illinois as well at plus three. But it's more or less because one thing you brought up that I, I'm i glad you did, it was Bean versus Daniel. And and the fact that um, one might play, I mean, Bean was the starter before, and he's come in and, and in mop-up duty, or even when Daniels has been hurt, he's come in and played decently well. I almost feel like for this particular game, I might even want to roll with the backup in Bean because he's playing, he's healthy, you know, he he's kind of had the normal practice where I feel like Daniels could be even a little bit rusty. You mentioned how Illinois had a pretty good defense. They have Brett Bielema 
pretty decent uh, defensive coordinator in his own right. But one of the things that actually surprised me about Illinois, I didn't think that they were going to get this good of quarterback play, sample size one game. But Tommy DeVito last year was, was a transfer from Syracuse, played pretty well for Illinois. Now he was in camp with the New York Giants. You know, it was kind of just another journeyman quarterback that they brought in, no high expectations. But, I mean, he went out there, played pretty well, and actually showed that he could use his legs a little bit more even than DeVito did. So I think that's promising for Illinois, even though it wasn't the greatest game in general. I mean, they barely beat Toledo, but I'm with you. I would lean with Illinois plus the three points here. Yeah, and and to your point about Toledo, I think that Toledo is a better team than people think. Um, I mean, they showed that last week, but I kind of like their win total over at the beginning of the season. So um, I wasn't ready to throw Toledo under the bus uh, from the get-go so yeah that was which made that Illinois win a little more impressive to me now let's uh, move forward to our Saturday slate of college football games first one we're going to look at it's actually going to be the Wisconsin Badgers heading to Pullman to take on Washington State currently Dave this line depending on where you look is Wisconsin favored by six six and a half and we have a total of 58 and a half. Dave, I texted you, what was that, Sunday about this game and was ready to go, but uh, a lot of moving parts so far on the side for this game. Well, why don't you tell me what you think? I loved Wisconsin when I first did it. I, I, I know you did. And and I try not to be a homer, and obviously the Wisconsin Badgers are the team that I root for. It's the team that every – Saturday home game we do a you know a tailgate show but I looked at it this way Washington State it's a team that came into Madison last year they beat them it was a close game but you could tell the team quit and one of the defensive stars for the Badgers Keanu Benton straight up said he came over ran over to the offense and he had, it was like they were lifeless and then that was pretty much a precursor for the rest of the season and we all know what happened well Now you have a lot of those same guys that are back. Yeah, they're learning this new offense, and I think we're going to see that the offense is going to look better You know, each game. We saw that it looked better in the second half than the first half against Buffalo. Uh, You have that revenge on your mind, and it was one where they really just – it was the offensive line didn't block last year, especially in the second half. The defense was pretty good. They they held Cam Ward pretty well. It was just more the offense and the offensive line. Well, now – You have a revamped offense. There's revenge. And honestly, Washington State has more to get ready for than the Badgers do. Luke Fickle and company can take the exact same look that they got last year's film with, except for Washington State lost more players, Wisconsin bringing back more, and Washington State's got to learn their new wrinkles. So I actually like the Badgers, wanted to fire on them. We were talking, I'm like, man, if I had that out of circa minus three, I would have fired on that right away. Now at six and a half, this might be a little bit of the fandom in me. I think I would play it still under a touchdown. You know, you're pretty convincing, and the market's been pretty convincing. That Washington State game last week, I mean, it was 50-24 to against Colorado State, but Colorado State scored 21 of their 24 points in the fourth quarter, and there were a lot of big plays and kick returns and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they let Washington State put up 556 yards of offense 466 of them through the air. And I saw the, the first well, a good bit of that Wisconsin game. And, you know, Buffalo likes to throw the ball around. And I didn't think the Badgers defense looked ready for that. And they should have been. 
And you can talk about Luke Fickle in your offense all you want. I'm not sure Washington's going to be able to, uh, Wisconsin's going to be able to stop Washington State. So at six and a half, I'm leaning to taking the points. Uh, but, you know, Washington State still let Colorado State, who's not a good team, throw the ball for 320 yards. And that is, you know, kind of abominable. I mean, they let, they let the Rams have 5.6 yards per play. So you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to go ahead and take the over in that game because I don't trust Wisconsin's defense to stop Washington State, uh, and I don't trust Washington State's defense to stop Wisconsin in you know week two when they've got a little bit of a sort of a routine and something to build on. So my best bet in this game would be the over. This might support uh, your over here, Dave, but one thing I was actually talking about it this morning was offense gets all all the talk, right, all the hype, and you're moving from a pro-style offense to an quote-unquote air raid, but let's not forget, they're also changing defenses. Like Luke Fickle, they have a different defense than Jim Leonard or some of the coaches before him at Wisconsin that had 3-4, so they're even transitioning new offense, transitioning new defense, and I think we saw it. Buffalo completed a lot of passes, mind you, closer to the line of scrimmage, but it was one, it just seemed like guys weren't quite in the right spot, and the tackling wasn't great. But yes, to your point, it's a change in offense and it's a change in defense. Both looked a little bit better in the second half. Still wasn't a you know a pretty win for Wisconsin by any means. But I could get behind that because people don't talk about how they're actually changing defenses and styles like that too. No, I'm I like that. I like that a lot. That may be one of my bigger bets this week. We'll see. I haven't bet it yet. I want to, but I'm being patient. You know, normally I probably would have gone ahead and said, yes, I'm going to go ahead and bet that and try to get the opening number. But, you know, I'm not going to worry about it a whole lot. Uh, It has moved up several points from its opener, which only supports my theory that uh, it will go. It went up to 59. It's come back down to 58 and a half. Um, I still think it's probably good. I'm a little annoyed I didn't bet it early, but you know, I think that not betting something and learning from it is, you know, this early in the season is probably as valuable as betting a bad number and losing. So I think it's a high scoring game. I mean, you know, I think both teams could easily get to 30. Yeah. And, and speaking of big time line movements, let's talk about our next game here in college football. We have the Nebraska Cornhuskers traveling to Colorado to take on uh, Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Dave, this one's crazy because I think the look ahead line was Nebraska by eight and a half, and now it's it's Colorado by three. Yeah, I mean, it's got some interesting dynamics to that line. I mean, it, I believe you'll find that uh, Circa opened that line on the third, which would have been Saturday night at minus five Colorado, and it's, it's down to minus three. You know, I don't understand it. You know, I don't want to be the bandwagon jumper or follow the lemmings over a cliff. And I know Minnesota isn't elite, but they're okay. But Sims threw 11 for 19 for 114 yards with three interceptions for Nebraska last week. Uh, He was also their leading rusher by far. If you don't think that Colorado is going to force Nebraska to put the ball in the air, you're out of your mind. And here we go, Colorado with the altitude again. What impressed me about Colorado was not Sanders or, or the other kid there playing 119 plays and whatnot. It was the way they beat TCU. I mean, they had three chances to fall apart in the fourth quarter on the road. 
And every time they came back and did exactly what they needed to do. And, you know, the defense is marginal. Uh, and I know that TCU is not, you know, they were in the national championship last year. Uh, Talent-wise, they probably didn't belong there. They just, you know, had Duggan in the right set of circumstances. So, you know, um, it's not a, a massive win. It's not like they wanted to beat Georgia, but it's a pretty damn good win. And I don't know how you bet against that confidence. I mean, I don't want to be the guy that goes, oh, yeah, I love Nebraska. I love Colorado now. Well, I don't know how I can take Nebraska. You know, uh, second week on the road, didn't look good at, at Minnesota. Now in the altitude, I mean, I don't know how Colorado doesn't win that game. And, and you know, if I'm wrong, then, you know, throw me under the bus for it. But I just can't take Nebraska. Well, I'm going to take Nebraska on the money line in the first half. And the reason why is they get a couple extra days to prep. And obviously that's going to be, you know, important for them. You mentioned how Sims literally throwing the football looked disgusting. I did sit through that entire game. That was a tough watch. But when you look at Colorado, I'm surprised as anyone that Colorado came out and played that well. I thought with all the moving pieces you know, hardly anyone coming back. It's a brand new squad, first game, no preseason, no nothing, that they wouldn't look that good. I think even on this uh, last week's pot, I think I said I would probably take uh, TCU minus the 20 and a half. But now in hindsight, TCU missing their Heisman candidate quarterback, a top receiver, a top running back. They lost some guys off the defense. Maybe we actually had TCU a little overhyped. Not saying that Colorado is bad because they're – you know, they went from a one-win team to what are they now. But if this TCU team is borderline bowl-worthy, maybe this only is a 6-7-8 win Colorado. But because of all the hype, we're saying, oh, my goodness, this team could win 10 games now. I'm still not ready to say that. I am impressed by what they did week one. But I'm still going to be a little contrarian. I'm still going to try and play devil's advocate here. I think I would take Nebraska in the first half. Because Colorado did allow TCU to run the hell out of the ball, and and Sims can run the ball, and a couple of their other running backs didn't look too bad either. But uh, because of the altitude, I wouldn't want to play them the full game, like you said, and just because it is a you know a little bit where where is all this offense going to come from? So I, I would I would play Nebraska on the money line in the first half. I think it was like roughly plus one twenty. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. I can I can concede that I. I'm just, I'm just, I just don't see Colorado losing. And, you know, yes, it looks pretty obvious, but, you know, the more I dig into it, yeah, it's obvious, you know, and if I'm wrong, so be it. Here it is Tuesday afternoon. Shoot me. Looking at another college football game here for the slate, Notre Dame traveling to NC State. Notre Dame favored by seven and a half, currently a total of 51. What do you think for our final game in college football? Well, I like NC State here quite a bit. I mean, I'm not a fan of Marcus Freeman. The market is starting to say NC State, a quarterback for Notre Dame that used to play down in the ACC, and I believe he's one and two against NC State. I'm going to go ahead and take the points with, you know, Notre Dame hasn't played anybody yet. So I, I know I run out of time. I, I go into it a little bit deeper, but I think NC State's the play. I'm with you. I agree. And reason being, as you mentioned it, obviously Hartman coming from Wake Forest, NC State's going to know him pretty well. Then on the flip side, NC State upgraded at quarterback. Armstrong was one of the more, like Hartman, coveted quarterbacks out there. And, you know, they played. It was a close game, nearly 
covered against Connecticut, but I, I think a lot of people would sit there and say, oh, well, they barely beat a Connecticut team. Well, that Connecticut team was a bowl team last year, and they were arguably a couple of blown fourth quarter leads away from winning eight games. I think it's a lot better Connecticut team than we are used to seeing. So I think for all those reasons, yeah, at home getting over a touchdown, I would take NC State plus the seven and a half. Uh, that'll do it for our college football games. Uh, we got some Thursday night football in there for you. We got some college football on Friday night in there for you, and then a few games on Saturday. Now, we're going to come back later in the week, talk more college football. Obviously, it's week one of the NFL, so we're going to get some NFL in there for you as well. If you want to find any more of our content, you can follow me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler or some of his work at pregame.com. Again, we'll give out some of our uh, best bets and more college football and, and NFL football later in the week. So we will see you on Friday. But until then, let's continue to make some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com, in the Zone app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe.